You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. everybody I hope you're all doing well and um, want to invite you to kindly take your seats um, we are going to come around God's word but um, so great to see lots of you here uh, so great to see community happening across the room but um, you know the purpose of us coming around God's word like this as a corporate body of Christ is so that we get built up so that we get um, inspired, so that we get um, challenged uh, to go out into our worlds in the week and be the light and the love of God in our workplaces, in our families, um, in whatever situation you might find yourself in. So I'm praying and I'm believing that something you hear today, something from God's word will, will inspire you to go and live a phenomenal life for God in your world, reaching places that I could never reach, reaching places that us as a staff team could never reach. So I just that's my prayer today, that you get hold of something that will be transformational in your life. But I don't know if you've ever been watching TV or perhaps listening to the radio and the, um, the presenter or the, you know, the chat show host or whoever it is just gives a little warning that says, you know, the, the thing we're about to discuss now um, it might be a little bit sensitive for some of our viewers. Um, you know, so if there's any little children in the room, you know, you might just want to like send them out or, or turn the volume down. You kind of know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That, that, kind, of, that kind of warning. And, um, you know, you wonder what it's going to be. Is it, is it going to be something, something terrible, something awful that, that triggers you? And, um, you know, there's been something in, in our lives of late that, that has kind of fallen, fallen into this category. And it is this. Washing machines. Washing machines. You might, you might be surprised by that. You might think, what have, what have washing machines got to do, got to do with, with anything? But, um, you know, this April, I'll have been married to Hannah for, for 10 years. And, um, oh, thanks. That's nice. Um, and since we've been married, we've had lots of washing machines. The first one we had uh, it was secondhand when it came to us. It lasted a solid four years. I'm like... Tick, well done. Uh, it was old when we got it, and it lasted another four years. So we replaced it, and we bought another one, and that one lasted five years. Tick, you know, that's a good washing machine. And in the last year of our marriage, can anybody guess how many washing machines we've owned? Not one, not two, but three washing machines. And, um, you know, they've all had little problems and you know there's a little video on the screen and just shows you what we haven't done with our washing machine but uh, it's gonna roll and you know you might think that that's the kind of thing we've been doing with our, our washing machine or maybe there's, a, there's another little video that come up you might think that this is the kind of thing we do with our washing machine oh just like put it out in the garden for a little bit of fun but we've we've been doing no unusual things with our washing machines we haven't been like washing bricks or like you know putting any anything particularly unusual in there but um on new year's eve our latest washing machine 
midway through a cycle, we were sat in, in our living room, and we just started to hear all this cracking and this smashing as the, the glass door midway through cycle exploded, scattered glass all through our utility room, covered all of our clothes inside the machine with glass, and the machine still started to spin. Can you, can you believe it? And you know, much to the surprise of the, uh, the Samsung person in, in Korea that I spoke to that evening on the, on the, on the helpline. But somewhere out there, I think there is a, a graveyard of washing machines, and um, we have our own little corner of, of washing machines. And I, I tell you this story to say that, that my confidence in white goods, I'm extending it now to fridges, cookers, toasters, my confidence in appliances is at an all-time low. You know, I look at them with suspicious eyes. When I see my washing machine and it starts to vibrate, I'm like looking at it. Don't you dare start moving along the floor. Or, or don't you even think about setting on fire, you tumble dryer. My confidence is, is at an all-time low. But today I want to talk about having a greater confidence in our walk with God. A greater confidence in God. You know, everyone here today will have a sense of their own confidence level. Some of you might feel like your confidence is great. You're on a high. Some of you might feel that your confidence is on a low. Some of you might feel confident in some areas. Some of you might completely feel like you lack confidence in another area. You see, confidence is a changeable thing, but confidence is also a personal thing. Each person will have a sense of their own confidence. Some of you will know that me and Hannah are running a, a marathon in April. So it's, it's been 15 years since I've been involved in a charity in Uganda, and we wanted to do something to mark that. So we, we're doing a little bit of a fundraiser. But when we were trying to decide what we were going to do, we picked running a marathon. Because although that's challenging, me and Hannah are both runners, and we knew that we had the confidence that with a little bit of effort, and with a little bit of training, that we are a lot of training, that we would be able to do it. Here's what I didn't pick. I knew I'm, I'm no good at skateboarding, no good at doing kick-ups. I couldn't do 10 kick-ups, you know, let alone some people do challenges like do 1,000 kick-ups in a day. You know, I knew that I couldn't do those things without breaking my neck. You see, confidence is personal to the skills and the talents that God has given each one of us. And for many of us over the last recent years, over the recent maybe three, four years, our confidence has started to be shaken. It's, it's interesting what, what's been happening. You see, we've had a, had a pandemic and our, our confidence has been shaken through that. We're coming into what some are describing as, a, an, as an economic crisis. And many of us, our confidence will be shaken in that. You know, confidence can be shaken by the events that go on around us. You know, you, you might say you are confident in one area of your life. You might feel like confident in your family, in your friendship group. But you say, take you out, put you in a different situation. You might feel like you totally lack confidence. You might be here today and you think, he's talking about confidence, but to be honest, I feel like my confidence level is zero, or my confidence level is very low. You might feel today that you are on confidence life support, that you just don't have anything left in the confidence arena. 
You know, sometimes you might feel that you surprise yourself with, with a burst of confidence. But then other times, in other situations, you, you just cower back into yourself and feel that you've got nothing there. Perhaps you're somebody who remembers a time in your life when you used to have great confidence. But perhaps something has happened, a challenge has come, an accident has happened, perhaps. And if you're honest, you're feeling that your confidence is at an all-time low. But you know, wherever you are at today in your confidence, I want to encourage you that all of these are normal expressions of confidence that we will experience at different times in our lives. But for a moment, maybe just reflect for five seconds on the question, where is my confidence today? How is my confidence? How am I doing in this area? See, the Bible... I love the Bible because the Bible isn't just a collection of, of perfect people who have got it all together. The Bible is full of people who are just like me and you. You know, when you think of King David, you know, there's times when his confidence was high. Maybe when he just defeated Goliath. But there's other times when he was in the cave and his confidence had been shaken. You look at Gideon, you look at Joseph or Job or, or Peter. You know, all of these stories show people in various states of confidence. But what I love about the Bible is that it, it invites us and it draws us towards having a greater confidence in God. The first verse I want to read from the Bible today is, is found in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read from verse 32. But verse 35 is the verse that I really want to anchor us in today. So from verse 32, it says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in great conflict full of suffering. See, this, I promise you this verse gets better. It's going to go low and then we're going to go high. So it says, Some of you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Are you ready to come to verse 35? Let's, let's lift it up a bit. It says, so do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. Do not throw away your confidence. See, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to a broken and a bruised people who had been through some stuff that sounds pretty bad. Confiscation of property, persecution, imprisonment, all of this kind of stuff. And he still says to them, hey, guys, don't throw away your confidence. You see, whatever's happened, whether you've been through some stuff, economic crisis, come what may, pandemic, come what may, do not. Throw away your confidence. I love that this verse just, just challenges me to realize that, that when bad things happen, it can actually serve to build our confidence rather than to, to knock our confidence. It also tells me that, that we are in some way responsible for our confidence. Sometimes we, we feel like we've got no part to play. We, we talk about our confidence being knocked as a, as a totally external thing. But here it's saying... Do not throw away your confidence. So if I'm not going to throw away my confidence, that challenges me to think that, hold on a minute, my confidence is something that I can hold on to no matter what happens to me. It also tells me that maintaining our confidence comes with reward. 
You see, it's worth holding on to our confidence. You see, when you feel battered, when you feel bruised, when you feel like everything in the world has been thrown at you, hold on to your confidence because it will come with reward. So I want to spend some time just as we unpack this today, talking about a few different areas. The first thing I want us to do is understand where our confidence as Christians comes from. Then how do we build and grow our confidence? And then how do we maintain it? So the first thing I want to talk about is where does our confidence come from? And just to say, you can go on the internet and you can find all kinds of stuff telling you about how to maintain or how to get self-confidence. You know, if you go on Amazon and search for confidence, there's some really interesting book titles that, that come up. One of them is how to show up with confidence and take control of your future. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? I mean, I don't really want to take control of my future. I'm quite happy for for God to be in control of my future. Anybody else agree agree with that? But um, the art of extraordinary confidence, your path to love, wealth, and freedom. Now, we've already decided that the path to love is to come to the Valentine's Day coffee night. That's, that's not a Valentine's Day coffee night. But get also get this book, Ultimate Path to Love, Wealth, and Freedom. Or the confidence code, as though confidence is something that you could just put into a code. It says the science and art of self-assurance. And finally, confident and killing it. A practical guide to overcoming fear and unlocking your most empowered self. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? But, you know, we laugh, and there is probably some things in that book, that, those books that you might find helpful, some things that you can pick out, because self-confidence is important. But as Christians, we need to look at confidence differently. Or as people that are on the edge of making a decision to follow Jesus, you know, you can know that if you follow Jesus, you can have a, a new source of confidence. You can look at confidence differently to the way the world looks at confidence You see, self-confidence is important. It's important to to have a sense that you can do things. You know, if I can drive, I drove here today and I knew I could drive. I I, I didn't need kind of God to tell me that I can drive because I I know I can drive because I've I've been doing it before. You see, some level of self-confidence is important. But what we need to realize is that as Christians, God is also in our confidence equation. You see, our self-confidence is built upon our God confidence. He is a part of the equation. You see, we can build our self-confidence, we can grow in our self-confidence because of the confidence that we have in God. Here's another verse from the Bible, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, For we have a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And observant ones of you may notice that I just missed out the first three words when I read that. Because it, does say for, it doesn't say, for we have a spirit of not a fear of power, love, or self-control. But it says, for God gave. God gave us a spirit of fear, not of fear, power, love, and, and self-control. You see, God has given us those things. You see, the the world's way of looking at self-confidence is is how can I, like, assure myself? How can I kind of 
gird myself up so I'm strong and confident. I can walk into any room and show up with confidence and take control of my future and, you know, step into my ultimate path of love, wealth, and, and freedom. That's the world's way of looking at confidence. But the Christian way of looking at confidence is to approach it like this, for God gave. For God gave me a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, it says, I've learned that in whatever situation I am in, to be content. It says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in, every and in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and, ho and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, the world's way of looking at self-confidence is to say, I'm confident I can do all things, full stop. But the God's, God's way of looking at confidence is to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, see, God is in our confidence equation. You know, let me, like, explain it in a, in a real-life situation. Perhaps you've took, a, took an exam. You know, the, the world's way of of confidence is to say, I'm confident I can pass this exam because I've, I've put all the work in, I, I've, I've worked hard, I've, I've done it, I've, I've put every bit of my own effort in and I'm confident that I can pass it. You know, to have a God confidence is to say this, that I'm confident that I can pass this exam because I've, I've used the ears that God has given me to learn, I've used the, the mental faculties to understand this, this uh, what I'm, what I'm studying and when I struggled to focus and when I was when I felt like doing other things I prayed to God and he helped helped me he gave me a gave me a focus and you know when I felt like I wanted to give up and I was like I don't want to do this exam anymore or, or whatever you know insert whatever you want into into this example but I reminded myself that, that the Bible tells me to do everything that we do do it for the glory of God so, you know, the outcome of that is well done me, and, but also praise God because he helped me. He gave me the confidence that I needed to, to do this. You know, there might be another situation where you, you know, you failed the exam badly. You know, maybe you know if you ask yourself honestly that you didn't really put the work in. And in reflection, you start to think, well, you know what, I, if I'm going to pass this, I need to work a lot harder but the Christian says, I'm thankful that God is with me to help me. That even though I feel low, even though I feel like a failure, and even if others call me a failure, I know that I'm loved and accepted by God. So although my confidence in self is low, my confidence in God remains high. See, it's a, it's a totally different way of looking at confidence because God is part of the equation. There's other situations where you might say, you know what, I'm stepping into something. I am totally unprepared for it. I don't know what, this, what the future holds. I've never been this way before. I've never done this thing before. But I know, I'm confident that God has promised me that he's going to go with me. And as I step out, I'm confident that he will move. It's a confidence that says, even though I might feel unqualified, even though I might feel like an unlikely candidate, my confidence is not in me, but my confidence is in God. See, God helps us to see the abilities and the things that he's put in us and the giftings that he's placed on us, and it helps us to step into everything that he's got for us. So that's where does our confidence 
come from? Where can we go to when we feel low in our confidence? How, how do we get confidence if we don't have it already? But the second point I want to talk about today is how do we build our confidence? So we've established that confidence comes from God, but how do we build it? See, a big part of it is starting with the right foundations. It's saying I'm not building it on me. I'm not building it on somebody else. I'm not building it on my abilities. I'm not building it on my spouse. I'm not building it on my friend. I'm not building it on my bank balance. I'm, I'm not building it on anything else that's changeable, but I'm building my confidence on the Word of God, and I'm building it on the person of God. See, when we establish where we're starting from, what our foundation is, then we can build a confidence that will last. But another thing that helps us in building our confidence is our experiences. It's our, the history that we have with God. You know, every time we step out and trust God, you know, this can be in, in everyday life. Our confidence builds. And as you reflect back over your life and the times that you've trusted God, what you'll start to see is that the things you trusted God for 10 years ago might seem so small and, and like almost like you don't really need to trust God for that anymore because as, as you've been trusting God year in, year, day in, day out, week in, week out, your confidence builds to a point where you can start to trust God for greater things. You know, trusting God is it's not just the big things, it's the little things as well. It could be applying for a job. It could be moving house. It could be making a decision that you've been holding off on. It could be praying for the first time. It could be saying, okay, I'm going to put some worship music on in the house for the first time. I'm going to set some time aside to seek God. It could be saying, I'm going to get serious about reading my Bible. It could be, if we're honest, it could be just saying, I'm going to go on Amazon and I'm going to buy a Bible. It could be raising your hands in worship. It could be responding in a service. It could be giving for the first time in the, in the offering or joining a team. It could be all kinds of things. It could be talking to somebody about Jesus. It could be joining a team at church. It could be going on a mission trip. You know, some of these things are bigger than others, but I don't want you to go away thinking that to build my confidence in God, I need to be doing enormous things all of the time. You know, we build our confidence in God by taking steps. And as we do these things, not with a mindset of like, how awesome am I? Do them with a mindset of God, help me step out. God, how awesome are you? God, would you lead me? God, would you guide me? God, would you grow me through this experience. In 2001, there was a best-selling Christian book, many of you probably have heard of it, by a guy called John Ortberg. He says, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And I think just, the, I feel like the title kind of just sums, sums it up so well. Um, if you want to step into the life God has for you, if you want to experience the fullness of God, then we've got to start taking steps. We've got to start expanding our experiences. You know, if you want to be a rugby player, for example, you've, you've got to be willing to go in for the tackle. If you want to be, an, be a writer, you know, you can't just keep those thoughts up in your head. You've got to start getting the pen and putting it down onto paper. If you want to be an artist, you need to pick up the paintbrush. If you want to be a runner, you've got to put the trainers on and, and step out of the door. It's sometimes hard, but you've, you've got to take that first step. 
Our experiences build our confidence in God. Revelation 12 um, it is a, a full-on passage. And um, I would, if you're going to read it, I'd make yourself a cup of tea and just like open your eyes and just go, wow. But it is a full-on passage. It talks about the devil. It talks about his downfall. And it, it talks about us as Christians and the church, how we are locked in battle with the forces of evil. And it talks about how the devil is overcome. But it comes to this verse in um, verse 11 of chapter 12. And it talks about the church. It talks about believers. And it says this, that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, often as Christians, we can totally understand that first bit, that we overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. You know, that's at the heart of our theology and of our doctrine. But this last bit, is just really, really interesting. It says, and the word of our testimony. You see, part of our overcoming, part of our, our moving forward is our story. It's the experiences that we've had with God. It's our history with him. See, they won the victory. They held strong to the end. Yes, by the blood of Jesus, but also by the experience of what he had done in their lives. It's so, so important that we are a people who get ourselves a testimony and a story. The next thing I want to mention is time. You know, building confidence takes time. And you know, sometimes we, in this world today, we want quick fixes. We want quick results. You know, and, and God can do something that could take five years and do it, do it in a moment. But often what I've found in my relationship and my walk with God is that God likes to, to take time to do things in our lives because it's as he unfolds his purposes that we learn and grow. But we can't always do things as fast as we want to. And, you know, it's, it's a great thing because being a Christian is not just something that you dip your toe into. It's a lifetime decision. It's something that stays with us for the rest of our lives. We look at Bible characters. We see Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. Just think what God was doing in his life in that time. Uh, Abraham spent 25 years waiting for his son. Joseph, 13 years in slavery in prison. Paul, he spent three years in the Arabian desert before he started his ministry. You know, in those times, I'm pretty confident that God was building confidence in those people. You know, when you look at maybe family or, or young children or family that live far away that you don't see very often, when you go and see them, you, you look at them and you, what do you say? You say, wow, you've grown because in the time you've been away, they've shot up six inches and, you know, they often don't realize that they've grown. They don't notice that they've grown because they've you know, they've been there the whole time. Parents don't see it the same way as outsiders do. And, you, you know, those children never make a conscious decision that I'm, like, I'm going to bed, mom, because I need to grow five more centimeters before tomorrow so I can be the tallest in the class. No, they, they don't consciously think about growing, but they do the right things to make sure that they do grow. They, I was going to say clean their teeth. I don't know if cleaning your teeth makes you grow. But they go to bed. They have food. They have nutrition. They show up at school. They do all of the right things to, to help them grow. And here's the thing. As, as a Christian, if you're not feeling like you're growing at 100 miles an hour, I just want to encourage you to keep doing the right things. Keep taking a step. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying to God. Stick with it. And in three, four, five years' time, you'll turn around and you'll be like, 
I don't recognize my old self. This person here is not the same as that person there because it's, and it's okay that it takes time. A guy in the Old Testament, I'll mention him really quickly, but a man called Enoch. I don't think the Bible mentions, talks about him enough, but he lived for 365 years. And this is what the Bible says about him, that he walked faithfully with God. Simple, isn't it? He walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. You know, Hebrews 11 verse 5 talks about Enoch. It said, by faith he was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. You know, we know so little about him except that for every day of his life, 365 years, I think that's quite a significant number, the number of days in the year, it's almost like the, the perfect life. For all of his life, every single day he was faithful and he pursued God. He was commended as one who pleased God. You know, I'd love for us to be like Enoch for every day of our lives. Maybe not growing at 100 miles an hour, but steadily, faithfully pursuing God. And then looking back at the end of our lives, looking back at a vantage point and going, wow, hasn't God done an amazing thing over that time? So we've talked about where our confidence comes from. We've talked about how we build our confidence. And what I want to finish on is how do we maintain our confidence? Common phrase that you hear is that my confidence has been knocked. And that often, often does happen. Things come up in life and our confidence get, gets knocked. But remember the challenge of that verse at the start is to keep hold of your confidence. Don't let go of your confidence because you will be richly rewarded. And confidence can take a knock for all kinds of reasons, but I want to give you some uh, D's of how confidence can get knocked. And these are difficulties, doubts, and disappointments. You know, difficulties, maybe events, trials, circumstances, hurts, tragedies, curved balls. When, when the going gets tough and you ask yourself, where is God in the middle of this? You know, doubts. Doubts when you question, have I got this right? Times when you wonder, God, where, where are you in this situation? Things, times when we can't quite comprehend what's going on. Disappointments. You know, when our hopes and dreams don't get fulfilled in quite the way that we want to and we're left feeling confused. You know, it's times like this when our confidence can be knocked. But the challenge is, keep hold of your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. How do we do that in these situations? I think it's that we have to look for God in every difficult situation because he's there in the middle of it. And for some of us, this might be a change of, of mindset today. You know, often when, when challenges come, when bad stuff comes, we kind of turn at God and we kind of go, God, thank you. Like, why have you done this? Why have you brought this trial on me? And we look at God as though 
He's the architect of our trouble, and we just get frustrated, and we get cross with God. And I want to tell you today that God is not the architect of our trouble. He's not the architect of our, of our difficulties and our disappointments, but he is there with us right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the trouble. So when all around of us, the, the, there's chaos going on, like, like what was happening for those Hebrews, the people that the Hebrews was written to. When chaos is going on all around us, we can say, God, I'm holding on to you. Doubts are here. Difficulties over here. Disappointments over here. But I'm clinging to God because he's with me right in the middle of the storm. You know, I love just the perspective that we get from God. We read in the Bible that his ways are higher than our ways. You know, we sometimes think we've got a handle on things, but we often don't. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And I'm so confident today, and I hope you'll be confident today, that God knows what he's doing. He's, he's an expert. He, he's got this. He knows what he's doing. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. It is better to put our trust in the Lord than to put our confidence in man. It's better to trust the Lord, than to put our confidence in princes. You know, we often look to governments, we often look to councils, we look to employers, we look to other people, and kind of lay our confidence in him, in them. But the Bible's saying here, better to put our confidence in, in God than in all of these other things. I just want to invite the band to, to join me on the stage, because we are coming into land now. But... Um, Jeremiah 17, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like trees planted by the water. It sends out its shoots, or it sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when doubts come. Sorry, it doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the, in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. You know, that is the picture of someone who's rooted themselves in God, who's put their confidence in him. When the deeds come, the doubts, the difficulties, the disappointments, say, my confidence is in him. And maybe you're here today and you're recognizing that you've put confidence in all kinds of things, but perhaps you're identifying that your confidence is not in God, but you're saying today that you, you're like, I need to do something about this. I need to put my confidence in God. I want to kind of just share a little story just as we wrap up that I hope is going to give us a bit of frame of reference to understand how that might happen. But, um, you know, you've heard of people moving house, right? You move from one house to another. It's a, it's a simple kind of thing. It happens all the time, but something that is a little bit more unusual is, is moving your house, right? Most of the time, people move house. They don't move their house and, and bring it with them. And, but occasionally, there are stories of people that like their house so much that they're like, God, I'd, or, you know, speak to their husband, speak to their wife, and they decide, you know what, we're, we're moving this house with us. And the house gets dismantled and, and tucked down into all its component parts in one place, moved on a series, series of lorries and then reconstructed in another place. It's, it sounds very expensive and very excessive. Um, I'm sure, I'm guessing no one in this room has ever done it. But it, it happens on, a, on occasion. 
there's a couple that this happened to in the south of England. Their house was in Wiltshire. To look this up on a map because my South England geography is not good. But they moved to Gloucestershire, 30 miles. They couldn't find the house that they wanted to move to, so they decided that they were going to take their house with them. They dismantled it brick by brick, lintel by lintel, beam by beam. Over a two year period, they moved their house and it was rebuilt in a brand new place, laid on brand new foundations. And you know, I don't know about you, but it just sounds messy, doesn't it? It sounds difficult. Sounds like, man, there's a, that's, a, that's a process. And you know, I feel like this is a little bit of a picture of what God does with our lives when we choose to trust in him. It's like he takes our lives, and all of our chaos, all of our mess, and he does some work on us. He dismantles us. He gets the chisel out. And it starts to feel a bit uncomfortable because these bits start to fall off and you've been like, oh, but that just, I like that bit. And I kind of want to like have some of that. And, you know, he starts to dismantle us and things start to look a little bit messy for a while. And he moves us. He moves us onto new foundations and he builds us back together. But he builds us back together better. And you know what happens in that process? You realize that there's some things that don't come. Some bricks, maybe, of the old house that were like a bit weathered and a bit worn, and they don't come to the new house. But you get to live in the new house. You know, I just want you to imagine for a moment the first morning, the first morning that that couple woke up in their new house. Same bed, same, I don't know, window perhaps. But when they open their curtains, they open their curtains on a brand new view. Brand new vista, brand new opportunities lie before him, before them. And I think, you know, when we put our trust in God, it is literally like that. That we wake up in the morning and we open our curtains and we start to see the world differently. We start to see new opportunities. We start to see new horizons. We start to ask questions differently and go, kind of go, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could be, be uh, able to make a difference in my world. Maybe I could start to share my faith in, with, with Jesus. Maybe I could, you know, overcome that obstacle. Maybe I could. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could dream again. Because when you open the curtains, you see things differently. And that's what it means to put your trust in God. We can just maybe stand to our feet and we're just going to, Responding. I want to finish by reading Psalm 40. It's just been an absolute bedrock to me in, in this, this last year. But um, Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, you might be in a situation where you're like, this is tough, this is hard, and I don't feel like I have confidence. But I waited patiently for the Lord says, he turned his ear to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. You know, I just love that. Opening those curtains in the morning just speaks to me of that, that, that new song that God wants to put in us. 
You see, when our confidence is in him, when our foundations is, are in him, it's like a new song is put in us, a hymn of praise to God. And um, in a moment, the band are going to lead us and we're going we're gonna to worship. But if you're here today and maybe for the first time saying, God, I want to put my trust in you. God, I want you to be my firm foundation. I want to invite you just now in this, in this moment to do some business with God. And if you're saying, I, I want my foundations to be firmly on God, I want my confidence to be in him. I just want to invite you to wherever you, wherever you are just to raise your hand and raise it high so we can see who, who we're praying for. I'm going to give, give five seconds and count down. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to raise your hand. So five, four, three, two, one. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, God, we choose right now to put our trust in you. God, we don't want to have self-confidence alone. God, we want to have a confidence that's rooted in you. And God, we just give our lives to you afresh right now. And say, have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.